Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow and Grow. Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now he's rolling in the green. Like a, like a good neighbor. Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. And they will win a playoff game. Goff to a knee. And to a very important place for him. And yeah, you see a few tears in there for those folks. And Detroit, for the first time in 32 years, your Lions have won a playoff game. How about it? Dude, how electric was it out there? I'm telling you what, it doesn't get any better. It's everything you dream of and then more. All right, that's outstanding work. I got two game balls. Okay, I'll just say it like this. You're good enough for Detroit. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry, Jay Croucher, and that, of course, was Lions head coach Dan Campbell in the locker room after the team's first playoff win since 1991. You're good enough for Stanford, Connecticut, Matthew That's right. Berry. Thank you very much. There's some questions about that. <laughs> You're good I enough for America. It. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not ready to go Australia, there yet. Australia got rid of me. Yeah, uh, yeah fair enough. You're, yeah, you're, I mean, honestly, the bar is sometimes low. Uh, look, uh, I got goosebumps just then. It's awesome. Yes. Legit, I hadn't seen that clip before. I literally just watched it live with you guys. I got goosebumps. Yeah. It's all like it's awesome. Like sports is to me. This is going to sound you know super Pollyanna-ish, but like honestly, that's what sports is like about. Like honestly, at the like, that is as feel-good a story as it can be. Like, the Detroit Lions fans, what they have been through all these years. Dan Campbell's an easy guy to root for. Jared Goff, a redemption story. Like, you can't write it any better than that. Like, all the jokes about scripting the NFL and everything like that. But, like, literally, like, that's a storybook ending. This is a team that discarded Jared Goff. They sent him off to a team, and he went winless, you know, and all of a sudden... Now they host their first playoff game. It's against the Rams. It's against the quarterback that replaced him. It's against the coach that kicked him out. And they come away with a W. And now they're going to host another playoff game against the winner of whoever plays tonight, uh, whoever wins tonight between Tampa Bay and Philadelphia. Awesome story for the Lions, for Dan Campbell, for Jared Goff, for everyone. I am thrilled for everyone out there. By the way, the Lions drink free. By the way, Detroit yes, fans. Detroit, all of Detroit. Detroit. Everyone in Detroit drinks free today at the happy hour. Yeah. When Goff turned around after the first kneel and put his arms out and you could just tell that the weight was lifted. Right. Uh, and that this, this obviously meant so much to him. And I think back to when the Lions beat Minnesota at the buzzer, I think a couple of years ago, it was their first win in forever. And just like the, just the exhale for the franchise. And I think Dan Campbell might have been in tears. And I mean, yeah, an incredible moment um, and couldn't feel happier for them. Yeah, it's everything him and Brad Holmes have been building. And on top of that, Jared Goff, when they traded for him in the Matthew Stafford trade was almost an afterthought, and now he wins their first playoff game since 1991. The idea at the time was, I mean, I literally believe the Rams gave up a first-round pick to the Lions to take him off their hands. Right. Like, it was just basically, oh, he's got this big contract, you know, take him off our hands. And the thought was, like, all right, golf will just sort of be there for a year, and then they're going to draft. They'll have a pick next year. They'll draft. And somebody that was just sort of just to be a – caretaker, if you will, and just kind of like mind the store until they could get their quote quarterback of the future has become their quarterback of the future. I think people forget this is somebody that was drafted number one overall. I mean, like straight up. Right. right, Yeah. I mean, like like, big deal. It's it's not like he's some obscure guy that came out of nowhere. And the other thing I want to say is as great as a feel good story as this is, and you're like Cinderella story and all that. The fact of the matter is, is like, it's legit. Like, I mean, they, they have playmakers on both sides of the ball. Hutchinson is unbelievable. Like, yes, you know, the, the credit to um, 
future Commanders head coach Ben Johnson for calling a great game script as well. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, look, I, I'm just, you know, I'm on Ross St. Brown, you know, was amazing. Josh Reynolds' revenge game. No one talks about that. <laughs> right. No one wants to talk about Josh Reynolds' revenge game. It's always open. Oh. Yeah. Always unbelievable. I mean, uh, Jared Goff couldn't miss in this game. He was 22 of 27, 277 yards and a touchdown. We got to hear from Goff after the game just on the emotions of the win. Yeah, it was uh, – it, it almost – it was surreal. You know, it was it was something that you kind of imagined for so long. Um, it, from the moment I got here, you imagined getting that playoff win and, and having type of, this type of atmosphere in front of our home crowd. And, um being able to sit on the ball like that and, and finish it out. And, uh, yeah, it kind of all hit me there. And um, to be honest with you, I didn't know it was over once we got the first down and until they sent in the personnel, and it kind of all hit me at once. But, um, yeah, kind of had to subdue a lot of emotions this week and um, was able to kind of enjoy that moment. As awesome. We, yeah, as we look at the numbers here, obviously a huge game for Stafford as well, 367 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. But – on the backs of Goff and, of course, ride or die, Matthew Amon Ross St. Brown, the Lions offense does enough to get this one done. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, we thought Stafford would have a good game against this Lions secondary. Like, the Rams have nothing to hang their head about. Right? I mean, they had a great game. We'll get into the, sort of the Rams' performance. But just the Lions defense did just enough. I mean, listen, the under hit. People thought there was going to be yeah, a shootout. Right. The under hit in this game. So credit the, the Lions defense who got a lot of stops, especially in the red zone when they needed to. And Goff played really well, especially in the first half. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown at home is just money in the bank. Like I, my parlay, of course, included – my parlay last night included, of course, Amon Ross St. Brown – uh, and he easily helped me cash that. Yes, he did. And that wasn't the only thing, of course, that came along with the parlay of the cash. Take a listen if you missed it on Sunday Night Football. I'm starting with Matthew Stafford and his return to Detroit. Listen, he's thrown multiple touchdown passes in five of his last six games, so I'd like him to do at least two tonight. Remember, the Lions secondary has really struggled recently. Everyone's talking about Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, so of course I'm talking about Demarcus Robinson. Listen, no team in the NFL runs more three wide receiver sets than the Rams. Robinson's out there a ton, and oh, by the way, he's beaten his receiving number in each of his last five full games. And finally, it's Detroit. You knew I had to go with my ride or die Amon Ross St. Brown at home this year. He has averaged 105 receiving yards per game. So I'm taking an alt line here. Give me the over on 80. I think that's easy. So all of those hit, you know, Demarcus Robinson hit by half a yard. You know, never in doubt. Never in doubt. the same. Never in doubt. Well, like, it all cashes. I was just going to say it was driving me crazy because, like, they took, like, they, this, I didn't have time to get into the stat. But one stat I wanted to use, but just, again, like, I have, like, a minute to do, like, three, you know, three different players on TV. Uh, but um, no team in the NFL gives up more long receptions and long, you know, than the Detroit Lions. And Robinson is, in essence, their deep threat. And so, like, you know, I, I looked at the his longest reception prop as well. That was one that I was considering. Ultimately, didn't go there. But um, so... Like, they took a bunch of shots to Robinson, and, like, they just missed. Like, he sort of misjudged at one, and, like, Stafford overthrew him, uh, you know, to the side. Another one, I'm just like, ah. But then, you know, he ends up getting it, cashing it. It's awesome. Yeah, it would have been pretty long odds that Cooper Cup was going to be sixth on the Rams in receiving. And it felt like outside of just the relentless fades to Cup in the end zone, which never worked, uh, he just didn't really get a look. So it was a strange, strange season for Cooper Cup, who but looks healthy, looks fine. Yeah. It's just... Puka Nakua really supplants them at the end of the year. It looked like to me, I haven't charted this yet, but it looked like to me that Cup was playing more outside and they were using Nakua more inside. And that's where the Lions really struggle is more on the inside and the interior and dealing with slot receivers. So I think, I also think, by the way, Aaron Glenn was probably like, it's the playoffs, I'm taking care of Cooper Cup. And then just, you know, Stafford, to his credit, was just like, oh, who's open? 17's open. Let me just keep feeding him. Yeah. It's going to get a little lost in the wash now, but Stafford was ridiculous last night. Yes, he Some was. Of these, these Mahomesian throws, which are really Staffordian throws. Like, he's right. the one who's been doing it first. Yeah. He was, I mean, he's, like, he might just be the fifth best quarterback in football, honestly. Like, he is unbelievable. And the fact that he was taking those hits, and I'm pretty sure he got concussed, yeah. and he still came right. back in and did what he did. I mean, look, the Lions deserve the victory, but Matthew Stafford deserved the victory there, too. Yeah. yeah he has nothing to 
hang its head about. Yep. I mean, an absolute star born this year in Puka Nakua, and it, it, of course, the season ends for him by him setting the rookie record for most receiving yards in a playoff game. After the game, Sean McVay said, this guy's a freaking warrior. He is a stud. I love the mindset and mentality that he has. If he just continues to stay humble and keep working, this guy's going to be a problem for a long time. And by the way, next year, that's heading into next uh, fantasy football season, that's going to be a big debate. Cup or Nakua? Who do you draft higher? You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be um, people are going to people are going to remember this playoff game and want to go with with Nakua, but you know, Cup is Cup is Cooper Cup, right? And so, but I think both guys are easy top twenty wide receivers next year, and I think you can make an argument for both of them inside the top ten. Probably not Cup just because of the inconsistency and the injury issues, but I think you know both guys are going to be fantasy stars next year. Puka Nakua, it's crazy. Like I, I'm paraphrasing JJ Watt's tweet. I don't know if you guys saw this, but J.J. Watt put out something to the extent of basically C.J. Stroud's going to be Offensive Rookie of the Year, and he should be. But it's a shame that his rookie year is the same one as Puka Nakua because what Nakua is doing is unbelievable, and that should be awarded somehow. Again, I'm totally butchering it, but that was the general gist of his his tweet, and he's 100% right. Yeah, I mean, Puka Nakua would have won, surely, Offensive Rookie of the Year like 19 of the past 20 seasons. Just he came up against the greatest rookie season ever by a quarterback in C.J. Stroud. So, I mean, it's tough for Nakua, but yeah, he was amazing. It's the stuff after the catch as well with him. And Collinsworth did a really good job on the broadcast of breaking that down. Just like, this guy doesn't look that big. Like, he shouldn't be able to wear this contact and just push through. But guys just bounce off of him. Uh, So, incredible season for him. And I'm glad that he was able to do that on the biggest stage. Of course, a lot of the storylines around Matthew Stafford, who we talked about, had such a great night. The Rams still end up coming up short. Stafford spoke after the game, and if you saw before the game how heavily he was booed, of course the Rams were booed by the home Lions crowd. Uh, So we got to hear from Stafford on if he was happy for the city of Detroit. Sean McVay was up here. He said that he was happy for Jared Goff and whatnot through their time together. You've been here in Detroit for your first 12 seasons. How do you feel about the city of Detroit I'm happy for the players. Happy for those guys. It was a playoff game. You know, I'm not, I'm not surprised that uh, they were excited about cheering for their team. And uh, I'm not too worried about, um, you know, anybody's uh, personal feelings towards me that was sitting in the stands. What did you guys think of that? I, th- I thought it was a little over the top. Ah, but I'm it okay is a playoff it. game. I'm it is okay fans. It. I'll tell you what. Look, first, I have a couple things here. Matthew Stafford's an awesome human being. Right. Matthew Stafford, Matthew and his wife Kelly have done a lot of different things for the city of Detroit. They're, it's an awesome couple. He is an awesome human being. Just full stop. And I think he's been, I think he's, you know, he, he gave a lot to the city of Detroit when he was there. And I think he has continued to try to honor that city in his own way as the starting quarterback of the LA Rams. So, like, and I don't, and I think that if you were to talk to a Lions fan, they would say that. Like, they're appreciative, or they should be, of all the years that Stafford gave them, that he gutted it out for so many years there. Having said that, yeah, man, he's the starting quarterback of the Rams. Like, you know, and like, yeah. A lot of people flipping him off, though, in the stands. That, that and was I was poor. like, that was a bit. I was like, okay, poor boo, form. yell, you, you pay the ticket, you actually do whatever you want. I don't really care that much. But I was a little shocked for how long he was there. Yeah, it's not quite booing the dead Jerry Krause at the Bulls game. It's not quite that, <laughs> that bad, was which was I mean, that was the worst awful. moment Absolute of the disgrace. week. That was yes. awful. But yeah. it was a little bit strange. And with Stafford as well, I think the thing is, is that like he's just played, the, he's just lost the playoff game. He's just been concussed. Like he's yes. just been absolutely battered. He's allowed to say whatever he wants in the press conference, but it was a little bit poor. It's form. a little bit. It's a little bit of poor form. But I also like the Lions were so into it. It was their, you know, yeah, that kind right. of thing. And no. here comes. It's a little bit like this. You know what I mean? It's like imagine like if you're Travis Kelsey's ex girlfriend, right? You're like, you know, like okay, whatever. You know, Travis and I, we had a good time together, whatever. Now he's. He's going off. I wish him well. I wish him well. And then he shows back up with Taylor Swift. And you're like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like, so it's a little bit like, you know, we had Stafford, you know, yeah. like we went. Now he shows up. Oh, Super Bowl champion. You're there with Sean McVay. Los Angeles weather. Yeah, Los yeah. Angeles weather. What, you know, like, yeah. that's fair. Screw you, buddy. Yeah. Like, that's fair. You know, just imagine, yeah. like, you know. That's fair. That's fair. And look. In this game, no one deserved to lose, but I thought that the kind of the one moment where you maybe deserve to lose is McVeigh has to go for that on fourth and fourteen. You have to go for that because the thing is, is that Detroit aren't playing to score. They're playing to get two first downs. If they get one first down, they're not even in field goal range at that point. So, like, what's the downside? You've just basically given the chance to have the ball away for what 27 yards of field position in a game that field position is no longer relevant because they're not trying to score. That was 
disappointing. Uh, and the thing, I think you can make the case that Shanahan, Reed, and McVay are the three best coaches in the NFL. They might be the three worst at these fourth down decisions. It's unbelievable that they keep messing this up, particularly when you think that they have uh, Mahomes, uh, everything in San Francisco's offense, and Stafford. Uh, that was a strange way for the game to end. But good for Jared Goff that he was able to complete the pass at the end to Amon Ross. I mean, you know, it, it, it was an awesome game. Uh, I, I will say this. You know the officiating drives me crazy. Like was I was, there were mis- the there was some really yeah. bad call. It was that was listen. I was rooting for the Lions just not only for the story. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown, my ride or die, and 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 I had picked the Lions on air. You know, we'd been the Football Night in America crew. We were all fairly split, but I picked the Lions to win and the under. We have to give the score. You know, basically. So I, I in essence, with my score prediction, took the under. Uh, so I was rooting for the Lions to win and the under to hit. Uh, with my pick there, but even I'm, who's, you know, was full-on Lion Homer last night, is like, come on. Like, they're grabbing the kid's jersey. Like, I mean, that was, that was past yeah. interference. They just missed it. They just missed it. And yeah. by, but, by the way, in the first half, that, that offsides false start missed call, which would have kept the, the Lions' drive alive, yeah. and they'd probably kick a field goal. If they get some points, you know, whether they score a touchdown, it would have been first and ten in, you know, uh, in, in positive territory. So just there was just some – Brutally bad missed calls on both sides of the ball, which is, you you hate to see a game like that marred by that. Away from this game, but in some other L.A. news, uh, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network said Jim Harbaugh will be in Los Angeles today to meet with the Chargers about their head coaching job. Obviously, a lot of people thinking Harbaugh could come back to the NFL after a championship season. Those fans in Michigan are living right right now, a championship (laughs) With Michigan, oh, yeah. the Lions move on in the playoffs. Good for them. It's been a long time coming. Here are the odds for Jim Harbaugh landing spots. The Chargers are the favorites at plus 150. Not a head coach in the NFL is the runner-up at plus 250. I think he's coming back to the NFL, guys. And then the Panthers and the Bears, super long shots can I, here. Yeah, can I tell you something? Like, so last night on the uh, on the Peacock postgame show, we talked about this. We talked about sort of uh, where certain coaches might go, where Vrabel might go, where Belichick, where Harbaugh, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, charges were brought up as well. Uh, Jason Garrett said, I actually think he goes back to Michigan. You know, I came up with a, I have an oddball one. Hmm. Hear me out. Tell me what you think if this is a crazy idea or not. Don't say Washington Commanders. I'm not going to say Washington Commanders. <laughs> okay, thank no, you. I, I think thank we're getting you. Ben Johnson. That's legitimately what I, I think. I would it, agree with you. I, th- I think we're I getting Ben Johnson. a lot of momentum around I, I think I think there's a chance at Bobby Slowick, given that Adam Peters, the new, you know, and how well the Texans have played and Slowick, they know each other from San Francisco. I think there's a chance at Slowick. Belichick, I think, is still in the mix. Um, uh, but I, I, if I had to place a bet on commanders, I think it's Ben Johnson whenever the Lions run is done. But here's what I'll say about Jim Harbaugh. This is, again, I got no inside sources on this. It's just me trying to read some tea leaves here. For Jim Harbaugh to leave Michigan, Michigan is it's a great situation, right? He, he can walk on water there. He's won the national title. He's well paid. They're going to back up the Brinks truck. All those Michigan donors that, you know, it's a very well-endowed school. They're going to back up the Brinks truck and make Jim Harbaugh an insanely rich man to try to leave. So the only reason for him to leave is two things. Number one is he wants to leave for a good NFL situation. If he leaves for an NFL situation, I think it has to have two things. Number one is it's got to be a situation where he can win, right? Like, he's not going to Carolina or Atlanta, I think, or Chicago where – it might be tough for him to win immediately, right? They don't have a quarterback. I think they have a quarterback in Chicago, but you know what I mean. Like Atlanta and Carolina, okay. So I think it has to have a quarterback where he can win, which makes sense with the Chargers, okay, Justin Herbert. But the other thing here is, is that, again, he needs to make a lot of money because Michigan's going to say, like, I'm making up a number, but here's $30 million a year or whatever. Here's $12 million right. a year. Some insane number for a college hedge coach. And so for him... The traditionally, and we'll see if this changes, but traditionally throughout the Spanos family who own the Chargers have not been one of the more generous families in the NFL. Right. They have not been a team that has spent a lot of money relative to other teams in the NFL. And I know everyone wants to put Belichick on the Dallas Cowboys. But if I'm, if I'm Jerry Jones, I don't move on from Mike McCarthy. And you know me, I'm not a Mike McCarthy fan. But he's had 12 win seasons three straight years. You don't move on from Mike McCarthy unless you're bringing in a big-name coach. You're not moving McCarthy off for, like, some hot coordinator. You're not, right. which is why the Belichick news, make the rumors make sense. But what about Jim Harbaugh in Dallas? He's a big name. Jerry can afford whatever. And I think there's 
a school of thought, and Coach Garrett, who knows Jerry Jones as well as anyone uh, on the planet, Coach, uh, Coach Garrett said both on halftime last night on Football Night in America and uh, on, on sort of during the game and in Football Night in America, and then in the postgame show, again, he just said, look, like, Belichick and Jerry Jones have tremendous respect for each other. They have a long-standing friendship. They really, but just in terms of how Jerry likes to run a football team and how Bill likes to run a football team. And by the way, Jason Garrett and Bill Belichick have a relationship as well. They're friends. They've known each other forever. It's just they're very different in terms of their approaches to running a team. And Jason was like, I'm not sure. They love each other. You know, that Belichick and Jones have a lot of mutual admiration for each other. But he's just like, I'm not sure I see that. And so, um, anyway, that's my, that's my wild, out of nowhere, I got no inside information, but just trying to read the tea leaves. That's my, you know, long shot prediction, Harbaugh to the Cowboys. Yeah, got a little nervous when you said well endowed, but uh, glad you took it in that direction. Uh, so we look at Bill Belichick's odds provided by DraftKings Sportsbook for his landing spots. Uh, so, yeah, this one's a bit more wide open, Connor. Yeah, so any other NFL team is the favorite at plus 125 because that includes the Cowboys. Keep that in mind. So you're just getting a little extra if there was some wild, you know, surprise here. Not a head coach in the NFL is the runner-up at plus 175. The Falcons is my favorite one, personally, guys, at plus 275. I've right. heard a lot building around this one for a while. I agree with you, Matthew, as we see the commanders at plus 900. I think that's leaning towards one of the hot offensive coordinators. I would put Ben Johnson as the favorite. I would agree with you. I'd put Slowick as the runner-up. And then the Chargers, this is something I've said for two months now, and you just reiterated that as well. Like the, If the Chargers don't pay coaches, Bill Belichick's salary, which we don't know because we don't know NFL coaches, but we know it's a lot of money, are the Chargers paying what you need to to get Bill Belichick? I mean, he's the highest-paid head coach in the league. Like That one doesn't check out. That's why it's plus 1,200. Yeah, you know, and it's weird because there's a lot that makes sense for them. Like, I mean, like, you know, they, they have players on defense. You know, they, they got Joey Bosa. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they've got real playmakers on, on defense, and they've got a quarterback. Right. Like, I mean, you know, so it's like it's one of the best head coaching jobs. It's probably the most, I think, unless if Dallas comes open, Dallas is the best job. But, like, at the moment of the, of the jobs that are actually open, the Chargers are, the I think, the most desirable landing spot from a roster perspective. I would argue the commanders are next. Just again because they have 100 they have 80 million in cap space. They have the number 2 overall pick. They have five picks in the top 100 and they have legit players on both sides of the ball. They have some holes, but like, you know, they have an ownership, they have a new ownership group that's going to be willing to spend money. Yeah, and it's like the Lions where you build it the way you want. So you're going to be able to draft the quarterback, which is actually different, but you're going to be able to build it the way you want. That's what makes the commanders attractive. And Adam Peters is really highly respected. Highly, highly yeah. respected so. as, as well. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was talking with Peter King. You know, our, our friend and colleague Peter King was out there at the game in Houston as well. And I asked him because, you know, Peter knows everyone in the NFL. And I said, what do you think of Adam Peters? What, what are we getting here? And he just says, like, this guy is great. Everyone in the league loves him. He's been a candidate for it. He goes, and he goes, and I actually sat, you know, Peter wrote about this uh, for his column. I sat in the 49ers draft room a couple of years ago. He goes, every single pick, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are huddling with Adam Peters. You know, like, the th meaning, like, it's not like those two. It was just Adam Peters was a part of the process. They clearly respected He was the real scout opinion. in that building. Yeah. I mean, John Lynch came from TV, not saying he doesn't know football personnel, but Peters was the real scout in that building for a long, long time. All right, let's get to our next game here, uh, Miami at Kansas City. What do you think about a Cowboys crazy idea? I don't mind, but does he want more control, like similar to Belichick, where he's only going to take the operation where he can run it entirely himself? I mean, maybe not. I'm not too sure, but that would be the, that would be the pushback. Yeah, that'll be I mean, combo. again, if Spanos isn't going to pay, I, I get it, but Herbert, Herbert is the one guy that you would want from everyone. Yeah, um, of course. And it is, a, it is a circus in Dallas, but, I mean, it gives him the best chance to win. I mean, it's a, listen, it's a great defense. It's, you've got playmakers both sides of the ball. You've got, and you've got a quarterback in Dak Prescott. We'll talk about that game. But, like, you've got a quarterback. Yes. You, you, you legit do. have a quarterback. Yeah, guy's going to come third in MVP or something. Yeah. yeah, come on. The New Age Ice Bowl, the Dolphins lose at Kansas City. The Chiefs 12-3 and in the postseason under Patrick Mahomes. They are 10-2 and at Arrowhead, Jay. I mean, the bottom line is it's just a rarity when Mahomes loses in the playoffs, but especially at home. Yeah, 
I like the Dolphins plus four and a half in this game. And now, to be fair, the bet lost, but it should have lost by a lot more. They were very <laughs> lucky to only lose uh, this game by the margin. This could have been a 35-point loss, really. And I think it just underscored, which we may have gotten away from a little bit during the season. Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the NFL. And I think by margin, he was magnificent in this game, even if the stats didn't fully recognize that. Uh, but he came through. He's just immune to the elements. He showed his scrambling again. Look, he only goes 200 to 260. Two and one touchdown, 23 of 41. But given the conditions and given what Tua looked like on the other side, oh uh, I thought Mahomes was excellent in this one. Kelsey had difference. some bad drops too. Again, it's the, I mean, like it's freezing there. I mean, like yeah. you saw, you, you'd see these viral videos of people like opening waters or beers and the liquid would immediately freeze. Like Mahomes' helmet. Right. I mean, <laughs> exploded. Right. I mean, it's like it's just, you know, it's sort of, sort of crazy there. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, they couldn't do anything. I, what was insane to me, insane is the wrong word. What was surprising to me is that Andy Reid's offense didn't look anything like an Andy Reid offense. They did what they should do in the playoffs based on what this team has done all year. They played good defense and they ran the ball. Yep. Pacheco was awesome, as always. Uh, again, that was, that was one, of the, one of the prop bets that we, uh, that we talked about, and that cashed. And, uh, easily. You know, easily. And it was nice to see, just like we saw Puka Nakua in the uh, Lions game, nice to see Rasheed Rice you know, when it matters the most, step up like, by the way, I'll just, I'm going to say this right now. I, I've just thought about this. I don't know. I'm not there yet. But like, when I, as I start thinking about my ride or die for next year, mm, Rasheed Rice. Rice is going to be on the list. Yeah. No, he like, should be. He's going to be on the, you know, receiving votes consideration list, right? Again, 90 receiving yards in three of the past four games, 125 in back-to-back. You know, he's, he's doing it all. And obviously, you have the trust of 15. Mahomes was like, all right, I'm not – these weathers, I'm not going to Marquez Valdez camp. I'm not, I'm not screwing around with any of this anymore. Yeah. he. Uh, Sorry to be Cole Hardman. And the thing is, like, these catches aren't easy. They look easy to make, but they're not because of the conditions. And you could see, like, Travis Kelsey dropped multiple balls. Yeah. Like, it, these weren't easy balls to catch. And Rasheed Rice uh, just had glowing chance. He's basically throwing an oblong brick. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that's, in all seriousness, that's what it is. I mean, it's like a freezing cold brick as well. Uh, you see Pacheco there with a one reception for minus one yards. They didn't really uh, involve him in the passing game here. But, you know, um, kind of vintage Travis Kelsey here. Rasheed Rice goes off. And Pacheco, and this is what their offense has become. It's these three guys. They've stopped screwing around trying to distribute the ball, which is what he was trying to do last year, what he was trying to do earlier in the year. They're like, nope, no, I'm sorry, any of these other guys. Democracy has needed to go out the door in that offense for a while, right. and now we finally have the uh, dictatorship of Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, and Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, and Kelsey, I mean, he was 7 for 71 in those conditions is good. He still doesn't look close to himself. No. He doesn't look anything like himself. That would be the concern for the Chiefs, who likely will go to Buffalo next week, and if that is the case, they're going to need more closer to peak Travis Kelsey. They certainly are, because that'll be another cold-weather game. Other side of the ball here, I want to talk about Miami. I want to give, like, everyone's going to talk about Mahomes because he's Mahomes, right? And, you know, Andy Reid, the frozen mustache, you know, you're going to see all that. Okay, fine. But I think the defense of the Chiefs played unbelievable here, as they have all year, and Legereus Sneed, and uh, along with Steve Spagnuolo, their defense coordinator, came up with a great game plan for Tyreek Hill. Like, they, you know, they, they shut him down, and I think that I'm a Mike McDaniel fan. I'm a fan. But he got outcoached in this game. Oh, yeah. yeah. They didn't look prepared. Yeah. Also, a year after, he couldn't get the plays into Skylar Thompson right. in time yes. in the Buffalo game. Like, that was a complete mess last year. Now, this year, and here's the problem, too, with, with Tour and this offense. Like, you can say, all right, it's an ice ball. It was kind of an outlier. Like, I'm sorry, but Mike McDaniel and Tua, they play in the same conference as Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Lamar Jackson. It gets cold in those places in the playoffs. Like, they're going to have to learn how to play in these games, and they look totally unready for it on, on Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, I mean, look, I, like, I don't blame the defense. I thought the Dolphins' defense, all things considered, played pretty well. Like, to your point, it could have been much worse. Like, yeah. I, I think they were sort of gutty. They were missing five starters. Uh, you know, two of their key backups were out. I mean, they were just decimated on the defensive side of the ball. And then you look at the offensive side of the ball, and look, Waddle not 100%, Mostert not 100%. I get that Tyreek Hill dealt with injuries down the stretch as well. But still, like they just couldn't get anything going. Their, the run game was non-existent here. Devon Achan couldn't do anything at all. The Miami Dolphins line got dominated here. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill had the one sort of broken play for the touchdown. But other than that, you know, four passes for nine yards. 
they bottle him up. Like, you've got to figure out a way to scheme him open. And so, you know, like, when you're sitting there going like, ah, it's a first down at River Craycraft. Like, that's when you know blank has gone wrong. Yep. Yeah, and this is something where I think it was the same in the Dallas game, which we'll get to. But when you're down by this much, as Miami were, stop trying to throw seven-yard passes. Like, these passes need to be going 25 yards in the air downfield. You're down by so much. You need, even if Tyreek Hill's not open, you still need to, you need a pass interference call. You need the chance of being able to score quickly. And it just seemed like they never fired a shot at all. And it wasn't so much the defense, to your point. I think the Fangio had the right idea with just cover zero, just like let's create yeah. some variance on defense. It's just the offense, outside of one terribly underthrown ball that resulted in a touchdown, they just did absolutely nothing. And I think that's why all the conversation right now is around Tua. And, of course, we got to hear from Tua on all these struggles after the very disappointing end to the Dolphins' season. We didn't come together the way we wanted to offensively. Uh, it showed tonight. And, uh, you know, as the leader of that offense, I mean – it really started with practices, so you know that's that's how that's how we should have got got things going was in practice uh, with the communication, with knowing where we should be going um, in this loud environment, and then those miscues lead to uh, delay of games. Those miscues lead to okay, we can't change the protection, we don't have enough time, um, things like that. So uh, it was just communication errors. Felt like more than that, honestly, with Tua. I think just physically. You, I mean, it's Mahomes. So that's not fair. But you brought up, Jay, it's not just Mahomes. Look at the quarterbacks in this conference and then look at the limitations we saw in this game from Tua. Yeah, and look, I mean, mentioning practice, I mean, that's a coaching thing. Right. That's a co- like, yeah. you know, and, and we talked about this. The other thing about Tua is, like, like again, I'm not, I'm not an insider. This is more your area here. But there's a contract decision coming up oh, on Tua, massive. right? It's massive. And, like, so it's just like he's going to want a max deal. He's going to want, like, you know, he's going to want, you know, I've seen people, t- he's going to want $40 million a year. He's so Daniel want, Jones got. Right, right, exactly. Be like, I mean, I'm at least as good as Daniel Jones. That's where it's all going to start. Right, and by the way, and so you, you start thinking about, like, is he worth that kind of money? And, like, I think given the market of the quarter, he'll get that. He'll get that from somebody. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I get it. There's going to be a lot of questions about that. Yeah, it's very reminiscent, I think, of the Jared Goff Rams situation where I think maybe you just, he's an excellent, really good quarterback. Jared Goff took the Rams to a Super Bowl, but maybe they need to, you know, Kirk Cousins or something, maybe with a higher ceiling. All right, we have to say about Kirk Cousins, but that's where we're at. That's true. The game you were at, Matthew, Browns-Texans, not much of a game. The Jay, you've been saying for about three weeks, I feel like, it felt like the Joe Flacco situation became a little bit of a ticking time bomb, and boy, did it all burst against the Texans' defense. Here's the thing with Flacco is that he's been this guy all along. Yes, like he's uh, been yes. this guy from the time. Like, he threw eight picks in five regular season games. And what is, and basically, he was putting up, I would say, average quarterback play. It's just that every play was like 10 out of 10 or 0 out of 10. <laughs> right, and right. he just got a couple of 0 out of 10s at the wrong time he, that sunk, sunk this game. My, my same game parlay for that game which for the Texans Brown game, which also cashed, one of my legs was Joe Flacco to throw an interception. No. I, you know what I mean? I was just like, he's thrown one in every game he started. He has eight in five games, as you will. And in fact, when I made my pick, and most of the guys on the on the desk took the Browns, I took the Texans, as did Mike Florio. Uh, but I w- and we both sort of made the same point, which is like, they've turned the ball over a ton, and they keep getting away with it. They're not going to get away with it today. Like at some point. Kind of the bill comes due, and you know Cinderella turns into a pumpkin, and all those cliches. But it's it's true. Like they, you can't do that in playoff football. And so, I didn't predict two pick sixes. Right. But again, I thought he would throw a pick. I threw it into my parlay, and it, you know that's not a bet you would normally want in a parlay is a guy to throw yeah. an interception. And yet, it did cash. Right. And uh, on the back of that, when the uh, interceptions weren't returned for a touchdown, C.J. Stroud was making them pay as well. Stroud was magnificent in this game. I mean, 16-21, 274 yards, the three touchdowns. He was just absolutely phenomenal to his number one wide receiver, wide receiver Nico Collins, who goes for 96 in a touchdown. Nico Collins is just ridiculous, right? Three straight games with 95 or more receiving yards. He scored in three of his past four. Um, I... Again, we sort of talk about, you know, McDaniel did not call a great game. Bobby Slowick called a great game in this one. Some of the play concepts were unbelievable. And credit to C.J. Stroud, who executed him as well. Like, he's got a guy in the flat on that play right there, and he blows it off to hit Schultz down the field. I mean, like, 
He was magnificent. I thought, Jay, when we previewed this game last week, I thought you brought up a great point, which is everyone's saying, oh, it's a rookie against the number one defense in a play- his first playoff game. You're like, he's already had a playoff game. Yeah. It was, you know, win or go home against the against Colts, the, Colts yeah. the week before, and he was brilliant. And obviously we think the Browns are a better defense than the Colts, but, like, the Browns defense has been better, much better at home this year than on the road. Like, they've, they've been bad on the road. And truthfully, if you look at it, like, again, the Browns defense is good. But, like, they beat up on a lot of bad quarterbacks. If you sort of look at all those games, like, they played against some bad quarterbacks and sort of padded their stats a little bit. And so having to go into Houston and play, like, a really good offense. Again, and by the way, I mean, like, again, again, no Tank Dell, right? I mean, it was John Mechie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, you know. I mean, Brevin right, Jordan. Right, yeah. Brevin Jordan. Like, I mean, it's other than Nico Collins, they don't have much. But Stroud was just so brilliant and no sacks. I mean, that, you know, that offensive line, which has so been maligned all season for the Texans, kept him clean against Miles Garrett and company. Like, it's an awesome story uh, for, for the Texans as well. My only question for you guys is, is that who had the more impressive weekend? No, no, here we go. CJ Stroud. Well, Matthew Barry. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying, I hit two parlays. I hit <laughs> both my Barry's bets. I'm just, true. you know, my Barry's bet is 14-7 and seven on the year, uh, Jay. Yep. Jay Croucher, you know. Two same game parlays, both cat. I'm just asking. Yeah, Rematch this weekend, yeah. right? You both, you both have much to play for. I'm just, it's exactly. It's I mean, very, Stroud's very the favorite in that market, but yes. it's not minus a thousand. Right, you know? there it's you like go. minus one fifty. Right, uh, no, Stroud's magnificent. I've never no, seen. No, jokes any- aside, Stroud is unbelievable. Yes, uh, I've never seen anyone throw an easier forty yard ball than CJ Stroud just flicks the, the wrist. Comfort. It's, un- it's absolutely insane. And I think the thing to your point about Cleveland's defense is that I think. They just reached the point of no return with losing guys off their defense, but we just didn't realize it because they were playing Case Keenum and Trevor Simeon right. down the stretch. And a reason I like the Texans in this game was just thinking about how, remember that Thursday night game against the Jets, how Trevor Simeon just marched them down the field on that first drive for a touchdown? Yeah. It's like, I don't think the best pass defense for the past 20 years should be allowing this in any situation. Uh, and with Tunsil doing a really good job on Garrett, they just, they just had nothing, and they just seemed like they were out of guys. So, of course, on the Browns side, no questions on who the quarterback is of the future in Houston as the Texans scored the most points in playoff game in franchise history. But, of course, on the Browns side, they were asked about it. Kevin Stefanski reiterated that Deshaun Watson remains the team's starting quarterback heading into the 2024 offseason. So, uh, the Flacco magical run, guys, it was... It was well, it's, fun. it's a great story. It's a great it's story. It's a great Very story. Tough. Good for him. Off the Flacco's couch. One of the, off the couch, one of the good guys in the NFL. But, you know, like... There's also a reason why he was available, right. you know, like, again, and so we saw the full Flacco. I don't know that it was fully his fault, you know, I mean, like. He again, did what like, he always does. This right. is what he's always done. It's just the defense had no answer. The defense, the defense had no answer as well. They couldn't run the ball. Give credit to the Texans. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I know Kareem Hunt got the two touchdowns, but, like, really, um, really impressive here. Nico Collins, like, it's, it's going to be hard to figure out where to draft how high to draft Nico Collins next year? Because I think there's an argument that he's a top 10 wide right, receiver next year. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Our final game, maybe the biggest surprise of the entire oh, weekend. Oh, my goodness. Not to me. The Packers now 6-0 and all-time at AT&T Stadium, including the playoffs, 5-0 and versus Dallas. Um, I mean, the bottom line is Jordan Love was magnificent against a Cowboys defense that was truly lifeless in this game. A couple of things here. So first off, as a Commanders fan, you know what I mean? Like, you know, my two favorite teams are the Washington Commanders and whoever's playing the Cowboys, right? I mean, like, that's just the, right? So, um, and I love the stat that, you know, uh, to date, the Packers now have more playoff wins at AT&T Stadium than the Cowboys <laughs> because do. Because the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm just, you know, facts are facts. I'm sorry. Uh, here's the thing about Dallas. Again, sort of like you talk about defenses being exposed. The Cowboys haven't stopped the run all year long. Like, this is not a new thing. They have been one of the worst teams in the NFL against the run in terms of, you know, uh, you know per, on a per-play basis. The problem is, is that the Cowboys' offense has been rolling so well that teams get down and they abandon the run, and so the counting stats don't look there. But, like, on a per-play basis, the Cowboys are a bottom-five run defense. They haven't been able to stop the run all year long. And so then you sit there and go, like, okay, so they're running the ball well. Aaron Jones played unbelievably well. I love this. One of the reasons I am anti-Mike McCarthy and have been for years and years and years is that when he was the head coach of the Packers, he would never free Aaron Jones. He would never use Aaron Jones in a full-time role. That's where that came from. I mean, that was something that started my old podcast where I I started that chant, you know, the free Aaron Jones, and it became a movement. People took to the streets. They made signs, the whole thing, the hashtag free Aaron Jones. 
But um, so I do say that there is there's something really awesome about Aaron Jones, who Mike McCarthy would never use at a full time road in Green Bay, coming in uh, coming into into Dallas uh, and having 21 rushes, 118 yards and three touch. You know, having a big full time workload, 22 overall touches here, and just absolutely crushing uh, the Cowboys as well, and exploiting that pad that bad run defense. I also think two other things here. Uh, Jordan Love, if it wasn't for C.J. Stroud, no. all we'd be doing talking about is the brilliance of Jordan Love because he played himself. magnificent in this game here. And I thought this was a master class of play calling by Matt LaFleur as well. Yep. And I think with the Dallas defense, it's pretty simple. They're not very good against the run, but teams haven't been able to run against them because the offense has been so good. And then with their pass day, if Parsons and Lawrence don't get home, then they're just hugely exposed on the back end. Because And those guys create quick pressure a ton of the time. They have these ball hawks and Bland and Gilmore behind them, but the Packers protected really well. Like This is an absolute joke. This is that, That's Musgrave. the Luke Musgrave. That's the Luke Musgrave uh, wide open touchdown. Yep. But they, Jordan Love was fantastic. And I mean, two coach openings. Two coach openings might have come out of this game. Because I don't think Dan Quinn's getting hired uh, in Seattle or anywhere really. Tough to sell that, that one. Yeah, because yeah. that was that was an absolute pantsing. Like you just got absolutely destroyed by Matt Lafleur. Yeah, I mean, like you can talk away a little bit some of it because the truth of the matter is, is so Dak throws a pick six. He throws the first interception, and I listen. I'm not the biggest Dak fan, but the first interception I don't think he can put on Dak. The kid just made a great play. That was just an unbelievable the interception. Savage. The Jair there. Alexander one or Savage? Savage. Yeah. I was saying that that was just an unbelievable play. They both know? they both were. Well, they both were, yeah. but that was the one I was right. talking about because that was the one that was in their territory. Right. You know, and put them so all of a sudden the Packers have a short field. And then there's the pick six. You know what I mean? So the offense is putting the defense in a hole. You can't blame sort of those two scores on Dan Quinn. No, I don't but, think you can blame on Mike McCarthy either. Like, I don't say this is like, oh, Mike McCarthy's going to go out of this game. Like, is, I think this is on the defense. And then also, did, yeah. Dak, here's the thing with Dak. Like, I don't believe that, like, choking is a real thing. It's like, oh, Peyton Manning was a choker until he leads the Colts from 21-3 down against Tom Brady in the AFC title game and then wins the Super Bowl. But, I mean, if there is a guy, like, Dak... Dak looked like Sam Donald on Monday Night Football seeing ghosts in that game. Like, he, it wasn't so much the picks, it was the picks that should have been caught that weren't. Uh, and he was just, it was like the Buffalo game a month ago. He threw like, a pick happened? at the goal line. He threw what should have been a pick at the goal line yes. on there at the end of the first half, too. He just didn't seem like he was all there. And it's the, it was the same thing last year against San Francisco. It was the same thing in some big games this year. And it's, it's a shame because I think he's been, he's been a top five quarterback in the league this year by any measure that you want it. He's going to finish, he's going to get MVP votes. He's not going to win but I mean it's, it's kind of sad I feel bad for the guy because by all accounts he's one of the best people in the he's NFL an awesome and he had an amazing year he, he has an, an amazing awesome year but being. there's just, no question about it he's an awesome happening. human being it just it just keeps happening it's interesting so Joe Barry the defensive coordinator of the Packers has been under fire all year long about and so it's we were talking about this uh in the uh you know the room where we, whatever the we where we all watch the games all the the Football Line America crew. We're just talking about the fact that, yes, Joe Barry maybe doesn't have all the weapons that the Cowboys do defensively. But the one thing that's interesting is, is that Barry comes from a West Coast offense. Back, he's, he's played, you know, he's been a coordinator. He's been a, on the coaching staff of a lot of West Coast offense type teams. And that's basically what they're running uh, in Dallas. And so even though he may not have the quote talent, he sort of knew what was coming. Right. Like, I mean, I thought, again, I thought Joe Barry called a great game as well just sort of a master class in play calling and good for the Packers like it's a great it's a great story it was one of these things I'm curious you know because you're Mr. Jets Aaron Rodgers what Rodgers might think like why didn't you want to play in this offense Aaron Rodgers why didn't you want to play with these guys because Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson and good you know I mean Dobbs has a huge game Jaden Reed who's been so awesome down the stretch he doesn't really do anything in this game whatever Dobbs sort of has his game Wicks catch the touchdown but like there's some players there and, and just, I think LaFleur's coaching is what stands out yeah. above all, is that, you know, Rodgers is a guy with a reputation that wants to be the head coach of the offense. LaFleur, with an offensive background, comes over there and wants to do things his way. Obviously, after that game, things are looking really good for LaFleur right He's now. He's a made man after right. that game. Right, yeah. absolutely. All right, let's take a look at the updated playoff bracket right is now. Is Jordan Love a top 10 fantasy quarterback next year? I think so. Yes, I think he's a top 10 real-life quarterback, too. There, that, that much I totally agree with. I think there's a strong argument for that. Jordan Love just playing awesome. All right, as we take a look at the updated playoff bracket, we will get Green Bay against San Francisco. That is going to be excellent. Uh, Kyle Shanahan against Joe Barry, of course, his yeah. defense. The Lions move on 
uh, as we see the lowest seed in the AFC will play the Ravens. So obviously, if the Steelers pull up the upset against the Bills, they would play Baltimore. Right. right but now. if they if they lose, then Houston is going to uh, Baltimore, and Which, then it'll be yeah. Be. Lamar Jackson and CJ Stroud. I'll watch that. All right, we're taking our first that. break. When we're back, we're going to preview tonight's games. Monday Night Football doubleheader coming up right after this. Stream one of the most storied rivalries in college basketball. Purdue is number one in the country as they face Indiana in Bloomington. Find out if the Boilermakers can stay on top Tuesday, January 16th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, exclusively and only on Peacock. That's right. Don't cancel the Peacock subscription. <laughs> Keep it, yes. You, yeah. you need it till the 16th. You, 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 you and bought, you, listen, you already bought it for the playoff game. Stick around. Yeah. See what else he, you know. We have, like, have Caitlin Clark on Peacock. Yeah, come on. Superstars. Oppenheimer's coming in February. Who's better than that? Oppenheimer's You can coming. rewatch Royal Rumbles from the 90s. Yeah. New, new Ted show. Yeah. We got that. Oppenheimer. Our show is on Peacock. Yep. That's right. Oh. We didn't even promote ourselves. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> Interesting yeah. idea. Well, yeah, we go with the. Uh, Oppenheimer, no, which is minus 200 to win Best Picture, by the way. I think it's home. Okay. Yeah, very good okay. film if you haven't watched it. Right. Let's jump into the doubleheader here. Of course, the Steelers traveling to play in Buffalo. Have you guys seen the pictures this morning of uh, Highmark Stadium? Of Basically, this, the bleachers are not shoveled out yet. The field's good to go. They <laughs> will play go. this game <laughs> in Buffalo. Uh, obviously, the Bills favored by 10 points. The line opened at 43, went all the way down to 35. It currently lands at 38 and a half since the game has moved and the weather is expected to be better, not great, but like better. How about some notable Dan, uh, daily plays here, Matthew, in this in this very uh, offensively lacking matchup? Well, right, and that's where you start is the defense, right? So if you're playing uh, daily fantasy on DraftKings, you see there both the Bills at 3,500 and the Steelers at 2,600. Josh Allen is no stranger. Josh Allen is like, you know, has some Joe Flacco to him. He has some brilliance to him. He also has got a little bit of Joe Flacco to him as well. And so uh, the Steelers, you know, Bills had the seventh most turnovers uh, during the regular season. Buffalo, by the way, fourth most sacks of the season. Their tenth in pressure rate. Pittsburgh's team total is 14 points. It's Mason Rudolph in the cold against, you know. So uh, we like both the defenses as well. But um, did you see your guy on that screen there? What, Khalil Shakir? Najee Harris? (laughs) Najee Harris, yeah. Uh, well, the uh, reason I'm kind of bullish on Najee Harris is also like the under on Mason Rudolph, 170 and a half. Not sure they can make that low enough. I think, sneaky thing, I wouldn't be shocked if this game gets out of hand. I might see some Kenny Pickett. Just saying. Might be. We might. We'd be shocked. Wow. It's not like Mason Rudolph has a strength they need to. The they need to. I, I've just said this about this game real quickly. Like, they need to dominate this game. Like, the Bills almost, to your point, the Bills almost lost to Skylar Thompson last year. Came close to missing the playoffs this year. Like, if you're going to be a Super Bowl champion, which is – that's their goal this year, you're at home against Mason Rudolph. Like, yeah. the Steelers barely stuck to – they need to dominate this game. Yeah. Suspect they're probably going to play with their food. Yeah. Let's not forget the stick man gave them a scare just yes. a few weeks ago. They really should have yeah. lost to the stick man. All right. The next matchup here, uh, the Eagles traveling to Tampa Bay. And finally, some good outdoor weather here. The Yeah. Eagles favored by two and a half points. No A.J. Brown in this game. It did open at 45. The total now lands at 43 and a half. And honestly, Matthew, what's expected to maybe be the closest playoff matchup of the entire wildcard slate. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. No A.J. Brown as well uh, for the Eagles. I like the Buccaneers to cover. I think I think there's a very good chance they win, and I definitely love them to cover uh, in, in this game as well. The Eagles are just so beat up. It's going to be interesting. Like, this is going to be – going to be a referendum on both Jalen Hurts can he can he play through it and can he can he lead a team to victory you know without AJ Brown and Baker Mayfield it's a referendum on Baker Mayfield who's had this unbelievable game you see some of our picks there as well Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard again with no AJ Brown in a game against a Buccaneer secondary that struggled this year we like the Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans stack as well no team in the NFL um, uh, has given up more fantasy points to wide receivers than the Philadelphia Eagles so Evans who has the second most yards the second most touchdowns uh, I'm sorry, the, the Eagles have allowed the second most touchdowns and uh, yards to the position as well. We like Mike Evans as well. And, you know, how about Rashad White? 23 yep. touches in five of the past six. Yep. I think this is a really good live betting game because I just want to see what Baker Mayfield looks like the first three yes. plays. Because if he's, like, connecting on deep balls and looks perfectly healthy, then 233.5 is too low against this Eagles defense or his passing prop. But 
he looked really bad against Carolina. So I just need to see what the ankle and the ribs look like. Yeah, Ooh, it feels I like that. These teams have been limping in to yeah. the postseason so far. So we'll see what's left of them after having a little bit of extra time to rest. Let's take our last break. When we're back, we got last call. Of course, we got our best bets for the Monday Night Football slate coming up right after this. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook, this NFL playoffs, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly, plus all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code Barry when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, Sportsbook the, the crown, crown is yours. It is time for last call. Let's take a look at the most bet Monday Night Football props, courtesy of our friends at DraftKings. Josh Allen passing touchdowns over one and a half. Josh Allen alternate passing yards, 200 plus. Wow, really uh, old bets there from the public. (laughs) Najee Harris rushing yards over 61 and a half. Najee Harris alternate rushing yards, 50 plus. Jay, are you infiltrating uh, the the board (laughs) here? And then Josh Allen alternate rushing yards, 25 plus. I believe his actual rushing number is set closer to 50 to 60. Jay, what do you like going into the doubleheader tonight? So going with the nice game, going with your former man, Jalen Hurts, to throw an interception, at least one interception at minus 110. He's thrown an interception in four straight games. And here's the thing. No quarterback threw more interceptions against the Blitz this season than Jalen Hurts. Tampa Bay Blitz 40% of the time. Only two teams Blitz more than Tampa Bay. No A.J. Brown. Hurts throws downfield a ton. Anton Winfield around. I think he throws at least one in a discombobulated offense. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm pulling it up here because I literally just bet it. Uh, get, I'm gonna I'm gonna parlay. It's gonna be Chris Godwin again. We know that Philadelphia struggles against the slot, right? They give up the most yards to slot receivers in the NFL. So Chris Godwin over 54 and a half and over four and a half receptions. I'm parlaying it together. That's at plus money. It's at plus 118. Parlaying those together. Um, the juice isn't great on the receptions, but yeah, I think they're gonna have to throw against Philadelphia. Uh, and so Chris Godwin should be a big part of that. Yep, that ties in as well. Baker's not fully right. Shorter stuff, slot stuff, Godwin. All right, guys, I guess I'll dissect the mess that is Buffalo-Pittsburgh in this <laughs> one. In. Ty Johnson alt-rushing over 16 and a half yards. It's plus 140. No Leonard Fournette. He's not going to be active for this game. Okay. Ty Johnson is at a concussion protocol. The last six weeks of the season when he was involved, he was crushing this yes. every single time. There will be a lot of running in this game. He just had to be healthy now that he's at a concussion protocol. I like him over that number. You're a sick like man. Sick man, Connor Rogers. Ty Johnson alternate over. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's a thrill. It truly really is. I'm going to I'm I'm bet that as soon as we're off it's air. good number. Yeah, I love 40. that. I absolutely love that. I also think, by the way, uh, just as I was looking at lines, like I said, I wouldn't mind buying the, uh, betting the Bucks money line. I definitely think the Bucks cover. Uh, and I would bet the under on the, the Bills-Steelers game yes. tonight. Yeah, sure. I think that's a game where Pittsburgh's only – if you like the Steelers, it's like a same-game parlay thing of Najee over, total, under, because they're only going to win or cover uh, if they're running the ball and doing it effectively. Yeah. So, yeah, get my man Najee involved. There in you one, go. One last one parlay last, for 2020. One last time around the rodeo for uh, Najee Harris. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like. So yeah. I wanted to go with the rushing attempts, and they're so sky high <laughs> on the board that you can't even touch yeah, them. They expect Najee to basically get the ball every other play <laughs> yeah. in this well, game. So uh, we will be back here tomorrow to break all that down. So it's closing time, which means you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. For Jay and Connor, I'm Matthew Berry. We will see you tomorrow. Peace out!